Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Behind the numbers. The very latest polling data every Monday on Inside Sources. March to the midterms. And we're going to go beyond the headlines, beyond the headline numbers. We look at all the polls coming down the home stretch as we get into the waning day or plus of uh, the election cycle. And, of course, many pollsters and analysts have predicted everything from a red wave to a red tsunami to uh, all kinds of things in between. If if history tells us anything, uh, it might turn out vastly different. <laughs> Uh, and uh, really interesting, as we look to get beyond kind of the obvious headline numbers in all of that, uh, really pleased to have helping us break down the numbers uh, from our friends at 538. Uh, Nathaniel Rakic is the senior election analyst at 538. And uh, Nathaniel, thank you so much for joining us and uh, loved your piece the other day uh, talking about the fact that Republicans are just a, a normal polling error away from a landslide or from a complete wipeout. Tell us why. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, we have what the polls are telling us, right? So, you know, we at 538 use the polls to create a forecast for the race. And basically that shows a very close Senate race. Maybe Republicans have a slight advantage where they'll win 51 seats and Democrats will win 49. And then the House looks like it's definitely going to go for Republicans, but maybe not by a ton. So we're looking at about 225 House seats for Republicans and 210 for Democrats. But the issue is that polls aren't that precise, right? They can't be that precise. So those are just kind of the average projections. Um, looking at all the different possible outcomes. Um, and if you look at you know, a year like 2020 or 2016, where we did see polling errors, um, if that happens again, you could see seat numbers that are completely different. So in my article, I took a look at a scenario where you saw a normal polling error in favor of Republicans and a normal polling error in favor of Democrats. And so let's break those down just a little bit, because I think it's really interesting to see what just a little adjustment, uh, a little tweak or a little miss uh, one way or the other can have such a significant uh, effect on that. So let's let's look at it first from the Democratic standpoint. If things uh, were in error and suddenly the, uh, they had a different focus in terms of the Democrats doing better, uh, what might that look like? How might that play out for the Democrats? Yeah. So, you know, to your point, right, there are so many races that are super close that even kind of a small shift in favor of Democrats would be a big deal for them. So uh, in the scenario where they uh, outperform their polls, 
they could win as many as 54 Senate seats. So they would hold seats like Georgia and Nevada, and they could also flip seats like Wisconsin, Ohio, and North Carolina. And then if this happened in the House, you'd basically get the same situation you have right now, where Democrats would win around 227 House seats and Republicans would win 208. So Democrats would uh, keep control of the House in this scenario. All right. Now let's flip it the other way. Uh, You noted in your article that uh, as it was in in some of the previous elections, if Republicans are undercounted or undersampled uh, in some of those races or come out in bigger numbers, what might that look like? Yeah. So if this were to happen, it would be Republicans that would win 54 Senate seats. So uh, they would flip the not only the Democratic seats in Nevada and Georgia, uh, but they would also flip the seat in New Hampshire and the seat in Arizona. And then in the House, you'd be looking at kind of a big like red wave scenario like you saw in 2010. um, And Republicans could win as many as 259 seats, which would be a, a pretty decisive victory. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, that would uh, that would definitely be big. <laughs> so, so as you guys are coming down the home stretch, I know this is uh, constant number crunching. Uh, as you guys come down the home stretch uh, in this election cycle, are there any other things that you're looking at uh, in terms of those numbers that might be kind of beyond the headlines or things that uh, not everybody's talking about? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I mean a lot of just kind of the you know diving into some of the specific races and maybe like on the county level, you know, looking at like the suburbs, do the suburbs move back toward Republicans? Do they continue to move toward the Democrats as they did during the Trump era? Looking at areas with a lot of Latino voters, are they going to keep moving toward Republicans the way that they did in 2020 um, or not? Um, you know, that that's some of the kind of below the top line numbers. But of course, you know, that's going to be uh, kind of secondary to actually who wins these races and who takes control. Yeah. And are there any uh, states or districts in particular that you're watching either in terms of interesting results or areas where, hey, this this polling in this space, you know, in, in Pennsylvania or Arizona, um, are, are those the kind of places you're looking at? What, what are you looking for? and What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, like anyone else, I'm kind of focusing on the the main states that are going to decide Senate control, also some key governorships. Um, So, you know, those would be states like Arizona, states like Pennsylvania, um, Georgia, um, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, I I can't say I have any uh, terribly creative answers. (laughs) Because we all have to count the votes in in the end. That's uh, that's the the bottom line of all the bottom lines uh, is when all of those things actually get tallied up. Uh, so interesting to to look at uh, this from a deep dive standpoint uh, as as you guys break it down so well at five thirty eight and and help us get uh, again. You see so many polls and. Uh, so many different angles of how you ask a question, when you ask it in the sequence. Uh, what else should we be thinking about as voters as we as we look at those polls or as we hear different polls come out on election eve? Uh, anything we should be paying attention to? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I, I would say you know exactly what you said, which is you know be aware that differences in polling methodology can produce different results, and, and that's completely normal. And, you know, their polls are, you know, scientific instruments. You can trust them, um, but there are subjective choices that are made in terms of how you ask a question, 
or, um, you know, just like, you know, the, whether you call people or, or, you know, use online or even just, you know, sometimes you can run into a sample that's maybe, um, you know, too Republican or too Democratic, and that's just bad luck. So sometimes there are these outlier results in the polls. So I'd recommend that people just not overreact to any uh, specific poll. Um, just be aware that, you know, kind of when you look at the average of the polls, that's going to be in the in the right ballpark within a few points. But again, kind of as I mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, polling errors do happen even with the averages. And, um, you know, they can, even if you shift by just a few points in one direction, Direction, that can make the difference in a lot of races. So, you know, basically, we're all going to know the results in, uh, you know, just about, you know, a couple of days. So uh, people can be patient at this point. That's right. Got to be patient there. And uh, I love that you pointed out uh, this idea of an oversample or, or just an odd sample. Uh, just just explain that for our, our listeners, uh, again, who aren't in the polling world every single day. Uh, sometimes when you when you do a poll, you may just end up sampling a really interesting set of people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and basically the way that pollsters have lots of different ways that they kind of contact people. Sometimes they'll literally dial random uh, digits. Um, other times they'll be working off a list of, of say, people who have voted in, in past midterm elections. Um, but yeah, you know, anytime that you're not polling literally the entire population of a state, um, you have this potential for error where your sample could be a bit too Democratic or a bit too Republican. And, you know, people, the pollsters do try to account for that by trying to make sure that their poll is like demographically um, representative of the state. So if a state has a population that's 20 percent black, you also want your um, your poll to have be 20 percent black. You want it to be 50, 50 men and women, for example. Um, but even within then, within that, you can run into this oversampling issue of one party, as I mentioned. Yeah, so fascinating. Great insight, as always. Nathaniel Rack, uh, Rick. Rakich, excuse me, Nathaniel. No I just slaughtered your name to close out the segment, but we always appreciate our friends at uh, 538. Uh, Nathaniel is a senior elections analyst there at 538. We always look to them to get good perspective, good balance in terms of what it's really telling us. And the most important thing for all of us is not to look at the poll, but to look at your ballot. Make sure you either get it in the mail, postmarked today. It's got to be postmarked today, or make sure you get to a polling location uh, tomorrow. It is election day. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue right here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.